out that new stuff as well as tournaments and anything else that we got going on. But yeah, just glad to be here. Awesome. All right. Well, we're happy you're here. Um, Obviously, you've been part of a, a lot of tournaments since uh, TFT has begun. You've snuck into a lot of top uh, top lobbies, uh, a lot of finals lobbies over the uh, last few months. So I'm sure you'll have a lot of things to talk about. But before we get to that, before we get to our uh, tournament talk, we have to talk about the patch. That's right. And I'm talking about patch 10.16, the patch that came out just today. We'll take a look at it. Obviously, just as a, uh, a sort of like broad strokes look initially, there were buffs to what you see on the left nerfs to what you see on the right. And so I'll, I'll throw you the first question, Crowen. Like, above everything else in this patch, what has uh, stood out to you the most uh, since uh, getting a couple games in on it? Uh, hmm, what has stood out to me the most? Well, the buffs to uh, Gangplank and Jinx for that Rebels uh, composition and the new Galaxy, actually, Savage World. I think this is the highest skill expression Galaxy by far. Uh, that TFT has so I'm really excited to uh, see what people do on that and to play on it more myself. I played one game on it, but that's a all right. I, I have not gotten to play on the new Galaxy yet, so that, that excites me a lot to uh, to hear you talk about that because um, I I was when I was looking at it, I was like, this Galaxy actually looks like way too complex for me to be good at, but we'll we'll see because I think it's one of those things. And we're talking about Salvage World. So when you sell a champion and the completed items that they're holding are broken down into their components, you can see on the screen right there, which which creates just all these insane scenarios. Frodan, have you put much thought into uh, this galaxy yet? Oh, it seems like you seems like you muted, buddy. There you go. Or maybe it's a technical issue. What Frodan has to say to us is like too hot. It's too hot for the stream to handle right now. His takes are just too hot. <laughs> oh well, well, Frodan figures that out. I'll, I'll give you my my impressions on it. So basically, to you have to sell a champion to activate it first of all, which already creates a very complex sort of dynamic to it. In that, um, you know, you're you're generally only going to be breaking down items that you have on champions that you you uh, you know are intending to use, right? So this to me seems more than anything like a way to create like huge pivots. If you can not only swap the champions on your board, you can also totally remake your items. That creates just like the craziest pivot options. And is that kind of what you were thinking about, Crone, when uh, you were talking about the skill expression? Being able uh, to not only swap yeah. your synergies, but also all of the items? Yeah, exactly. And you can do that from the beginning in the early game. I had a game earlier where I slammed like Ionic Spark and a uh, Chalice just because I had those items after the first neutrals. Mm -hmm. um, used that up until stage three, sold and pivoted, remade all of those items into something else. And it's just like you can still do that throughout every um, part of the game. You can tell you or ask yourself, like, what gives me the best power spike now in terms of the item and what yeah. item am i going to want to use after that and you have so many combinations with all the units on your board and all the items that you've already made that the skill expression there and finding what's optimal throughout the whole course of the entire game is just like it's it's so big brain actually i love it i i really like it um because the funny thing is like before this galaxy was announced i was thinking about uh i had the thought where it was like well what if what if there's a galaxy where you can like take apart items or you can remake things in some way some way to kind of like do that um, but I, I did not think of making you sell the champion that they were on to to activate that. That in itself adds like a lot of fairness, I think, to it. 
in that you you may be quote unquote harming your board by by doing that if you don't mm -hmm. have like a really solid plan to remake and put those items on something new. So I like that there's a cost to it. I like that they oh, yeah. put that in a galaxy, but it it makes you pay for it too, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because some people like are kind of too eager on their pivots a lot of the time and they make their board even weaker than it previously was. So that combined with the fact that um, your items are still there giving you that power, if you're going to sell it, do you actually have the item that you want to put in right now? Is that item stronger at the certain time? And is the unit that you're going to put in even stronger at that time? So it's just like so many variables there. Exactly kind of what you said with, um, you know, is the right time to sell that unit? Yeah, that's that's the thing. And, and you know, People, you know, I've, I've seen people say about this, like, oh, well, it just makes the game easier because now you can just remake your items all the time. But it's like, no, that's actually not true at all <laughs> because there's that huge cost to doing it. So I think it's fascinating. I can't wait to see how that galaxy is, is going to work out. Um, I'm like dying for tournament games to, to see it. I'm really hoping we see it in like Fight Night here on Giant Slayer, plug, plug, uh, <laughs> on Thursday nights because that would be that'd be awesome to see. But let's talk about some of the other patch changes as well. Um, did Rebels need a buff? Hmm. If it's always so weird buffing Jinx, because Jinx is one of those uh, one of those champions that if you buff her even like a little little bit too slightly, she just becomes very dominant. And mm -hmm. I am kind of worried that Jinx might be too dominant in this patch, mm -hmm. um, especially when you also buff Gangplank. I think Gangplank is one of those or kind of the only champion that will um, synergize quite as well uh, with Rebels, like better than anything else. So mm -hmm. combining Jinx buffs and GP helping her reset faster. Um, yeah, I think that might have been a bit too much, but I'm, I'm hesitant to say that. I, I think well, that buffing Jinx is like fine, considering the power levels of everything else seemed a bit stronger in the previous patch. Uh-huh. Well, well, we'll see how it goes, um, because it's, yeah, it's the whole like there. 5 AD meme, right? Um, <laughs> Fro Frodan, are you with us? Say something, Frodan. Nope. Oh, <laughs> rip. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we'll, we'll get that, uh, working again soon. But, um, I, I agree. Like it, it is interesting to see the rebel trait buffed, uh, Jinx buffed a tiny bit. It's a little buff, but then also Gangplank getting, uh, you know, decent size buff enough to maybe push him back into, you know, higher levels of viability again. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk a little bit. Oh, Zed as well, I suppose. I'm um, getting a little bit of a buff too. But uh, I want to talk about some of the items because some of the items have had some really interesting changes here too. First of all, Hand of Justice, obviously. Big item change. It's much more usable now in terms of, um, you know, one side of the trait, if it's uh, if it's activated, doesn't end up, you know, mattering a whole lot where it's like 50, you know, healing on auto attacks didn't matter for a lot of champions. But now you can put this item on spellcasters. So where do you think Hand of Justice is going to work best at this point, in your opinion? Uh, oh, yeah. So I think the item, this is a huge change for it to be good late game. Like maybe mm -hmm. uh, at some point ago, it was a slamble item, but not really. Like if you're if you're looking at late game fights with the previous patches, Hand of Justice, if you roll plus 50 health on hit, like it's not going to matter during a fight. The fight's going to be so fast. It's really not going to do anything. But yeah. now that um, you get the healing from uh, from abilities, your spells, it's really, really good on things like, I, I think, mech, actually. Mech. Uh, right. I was thinking pretty, about that. Uh, pretty nuts. Um, yeah. I've seen a couple people try to run that, and it's looked really good. Uh, Victor as well. Um, if Victor takes any damage when he casts a spell, he'll just heal to full. Victor does so much damage. Right. Um, I'm not exactly sure what the other best champions to use Hodge on, but overall, it's a really good item, and I definitely need to experiment 
uh, with what it about, a lot more. Uh, what about Shaco? Is is this just another kind of like a self-sustaining item he can use uh, along with like, you know, bl uh, Bloodthirster, things like that? Uh, perhaps, yeah. I think actually the amount of damage that, that he does with the um, with the auto attacks, he'll heal pretty heavily. It could be a, a BT substitute or if you roll 50% damage as well. Like Shaco yeah, that's also that good. Well, so. Right, uh, that's yeah, what I'm kind of wondering. Mm -hmm. Definitely a lot more value. I don't know if it would still be optimal. Like maybe BT would still just be overall better. Mm -hmm. um to get that always healing because you're not really worried too much about shaco's damage he already has a lot of damage True. 50 percent um but still wouldn't be bad though yeah i think uh another thing that it could uh it could go for um is uh if we could go back to the item section um i think another thing that that uh it could really benefit too is possibly echo as well um to just bring uh, Echo back yeah. up again after he ults and kind of keep him around for possibly even a second ult. it's already decent on echo because it's got a tier on it and a little bit of you know dodge and crit, but like I think it could be extra good now. Oh yeah, definitely yeah. agree there. I think a couple of the the changes to items actually benefit Echo a lot. Static mm. shift being uh being the other one there, but it's the healing uh the healing stuff on the items in this patch is really interesting. Like the hextech gunplay oh, yeah. got a big change uh, as well, where now it can generate up to a four hundred health shield, mm. which uh, doesn't seem like a lot of health late game, but. It's just another thing where if it's continuously generating, if you get a, a champion that's attacking quickly, it, it could get out of control a little bit. Oh yeah, I think even 400 health like is a significant amount. You, even late game, like that often can be the difference between getting another cast of your ultimate off, which can decide a fight. Um, so I think it's actually pretty impactful. I was doing a little bit of thinking and theory crafting as to what Gunblade uh, would be good on. Obviously, mm. the only things that it has really been good on previously are units like Aurelian Soul and Jace, and it will still continue to be good on those. But I was even thinking something along the lines of like, would it be good on Riven? She has her shields, oh. but I'm giving her more shields apart from that. And when they yeah. get her down healing and then generating more shields, I, I wonder. It's again, it's something to test, but um, yeah, going to be a lot more viable now. I think this is a really good and uh, healthy change for Hextech Unblade. So, well, you know so. me, man. I'm I'm always thinking about uh, Darius as well. Like, so sure. I, I'm wondering if like I'm thinking like Darius with uh, something like a Death Cap Hex Tech and then like a Protector Spatula, right? Mm -hmm. It's gonna be getting like tons of damage, tons of healing, tons of shields. Stacking that Protector Shield, you know, on top of the shield from the Hex Tech, it, it could get crazy, you know. But we'll, we'll talk about shields. <laughs> we'll talk about pirates a little bit later. I wanna I wanna talk one about one more item, which is a Static Shiv, because to me, I see this item and I'm like. All right, so I probably want to put this on Timo as is the person that immediately jumps to mind as like an alternate third item possibly him for him because in that comp there's always crowd control happening basically and he yeah. attacks pretty quickly even though he did get a little bit of an attack speed nerf he's still going to be attacking quickly um, so I wonder if he's going to get a, a lot of value from that but like who else do you see maybe benefiting from the the static shift here? Uh, definitely Echo. I, I believe, if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the interaction with Echo and Static Shiv is that he will proc the true damage because um, his ability does count as a CC. Um, yeah, because he slows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't thought about the Teemo thing, actually, but now that you've you've mentioned it, it's starting to maybe <laughs> resonate as something that, that's good. Like, Teemo, you know, is the standard, you know, blue buff Morellos, and he's just like a spellcaster. Um, but maybe he does have pretty high attack speed, even with the the point uh, zero five nerf there. So maybe it is a good Teemo item. I kind of want to try it. Really it's like, 
Yeah, I kind of want to try as like a third item first, maybe. You know, he's yeah. still, I think, Tier and Morello's obviously you still want above anything else on Timo. But like that third item slot is a little bit flexible. Maybe that's where it stands. Uh, Frodan, are you back with us yet? Uh, I think so. I switched mic oh, yeah. inputs. Is that okay? okay? Yes, yes. We can hear you much better now. Yeah, perfect. All right, well... <laughs> Any any opinions on the stuff we've uh, we've been talking about? Yeah, I think that you guys uh, summarized some of the more exciting changes. Uh, definitely, Hand of Justice and Hextech Gunblade are like much more usable now. And mm-hmm. uh, I actually I have tried Shiv on a couple of different uh, users, and it seems really effective. I think like Battlecast is now very hard to deal with in the early mid game if they get Kogma online, and Static Shiv uh, just makes it really powerful now because he gets extra procs. Um, so it's, it's in general, just like a really solid item at all junctures of the game now. Um, and so, yeah, like static Shiv is also like kind of an item I slam now in cybernetics. I tried that for two games and okay. ended up doing really well because Lucian can hold it really well. Uh, and then you just transfer that to echo like Cron was talking about. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I, I could talk all day about this stuff too, but we'll, we'll, uh, go through the other items real quick. Um, sword is another one that I'm kind of curious about if this is going to be more usable now at 33%. Quick, quick yes or no, yay or nay, Swordbreaker. More usable, yay or nay? I mean, more usable, yes. It's still like meh if you happen to have those items and you're not looking to build anything else. Sure, you can slam it if you're going like Brawler Blasters. Um, even if you have a mid-game like Cybernetics with Lucian plus Ezreal or something. Mm. You can, but overall, meh. Okay, Frodan. Yeah, I agree. I I think it's like one of those like sometimes useful items, but it's like two battles at most per game and you get it off of Kane or something and you're probably going to use it. All right, cool. That's what I thought. Let's let's, uh, move on real quick. We've got five more minutes to talk about uh, patch notes. Let's talk about uh, some nerfs, actually. A couple, you know, pretty appropriate ones coming through, I think, uh, as far as like Bard getting brought down a a peg a little bit at uh, the first tier. Um, Vanguard's nerfed a little bit at uh, the six Vanguard level. Not a huge amount. Um, let's start with that. Do you, do you think the Vanguard nerf going from a uh, thousand to nine hundred armor bonus armor um, is enough of a difference maker? Does that really change it that much? Yeah, maybe I'm stupid, but like I don't know how uh, going from a thousand to nine hundred is really that impactful. Like I kind of view it like literally the exact same, even though obviously it's a hundred armor. But if you're taking, I don't know the exact math on it, but if you're taking the fact that say last whisper versus even you know six vanguards, it's mm-hmm. not going to do that much. Like you'll deal some damage to it, but it's they're still going to be like between seventy, like seventy to eighty percent like um, mitigation there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Yeah, again, I don't know the exact number, but going to 900 doesn't seem like it'll actually change that much to me. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's supposed to be a light touch patch, though. I suppose, right? Yeah, true. Very true. Yeah, yeah it's exactly what Crohn says. Like, I think the math is uh, if you do a thousand armor, it's like 91 or 92 percent damage reduction, which is absurd. Yeah. And then that's good. why you absolutely need last, uh, last whisper. So 900, I think, pushes it to like the 86 range. It's like a small boost, but like you're still never cutting through their armor if you have Last Whisper. And also, yeah. same thing of what Krona's talking about. Like, even if you do have Last Whisper, you better be having more damage besides just like one physical sniper, or you need Jin, which will blow past every uh, all their armor. It doesn't really matter. So, um, I, I think I think it doesn't functionally change much. And also, Six Vanguard was kind of rotating out anyways. We haven't really seen too much Vanguard Mystic plays. Uh, there's only a few players that really still love it, like Aegon, for example. Um, yeah. So, I, it was already on its way out. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Fair enough. 
So uh, let's move on to one of my favorite traits, uh, which is uh, Space Pirate. Got a little bit better at four Space Pirates. So now combining this with maybe some of the item changes with some of the buffs that Darius got in the last patch, like our Space Pirates online, is is this finally, after so many months of a set three, <laughs> is this the Space Pirates patch? So I've always viewed Space Pirates, um, for Space Pirates specifically, as, yeah, maybe you're high rolling that game and you happen to already have, you know, been, been playing Pirates to generate some gold. You happen to high roll a GP and you can put them in for a couple of rounds until you, you know, lose enough HP that you're comfortable with to take them out, pivot to whatever endgame comp you want to and have those extra items. And I think it's going to be more effective in terms of doing that. I know some players uh, who do play Space Pirates, um, for Space Pirates, like to keep them in for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I actually was watching... Uh, Keen's stream earlier and Keen was playing four pirates it was greeting out of his mind that ended up going like six or something because he just kept four pirates in the whole time um and he had a lot of items it just wasn't a strong enough composition there there's like a great thing yeah so I, I think there, there's a bit of a balance that you have to have there in terms of how mm -hmm. long to actually keep those four pirates in um but going from 25 percent to 33 percent uh chance to drop an item i believe yeah it is then yeah. um yeah, it makes it more viable to to get those couple rounds of items, and that could be the difference when you you know winning or losing a game. Yeah, there's a lot to you know think about when it comes to that. So the space pirate chance to to proc here is actually not just like a flat eight percent; it's eight percent across four pirates, and it's also across all the units that Gangplank's going to hit with his ability. So you actually have a pretty significant chance increase. It's not just like a like a flat eight percent here, so it's a big deal. Um, but it's exactly what Crohn's described, which is that by the time, like, you're in that late-game scenario, you're going up against the likes of, like, you know, Echo and Aurelian Soul and Janna and Zareth hitting two-star, yeah. and you have, like, Graves and Darius trying to get through, like, a Gnar that's just unkillable. Like, it's, like so these are kind of dynamics in the late-game that you really have to evaluate. Mm -hmm. um, there's a player, uh, so Pivo has been actually playing some Space Pirates, too. He's been in a lot of my lobbies lately. And he was kind of saying, like, if I get Rumble, I'm going Space Pirates. And he played, like, a mech Space Pirates thing, and he actually did okay and got top four hmm. a few times. So it was, like, some interesting meme builds being thrown around here. I'm not sure how good that is, but it's definitely fun to, to see the experimentation. And if there's one player that I can trust to figure that out, it'd be a player like Pivo. Yeah, true. I love watching Pivo. <laughs> like, whether he runs it down or has, like, these brilliant ideas, I just, like, love watching Pivo. And I have since I've been, you know, casting a Fight Night in, like, set two. And he did this, like, the Pivo round, we called it. Went to 4-3, rolled down to zero goal. He's on, like, 10 HP, but somehow stabilizes and wins half the time. He's just a very hey, exciting the player to watch. The off meta is the best meta. That's that's what I say. Um, one one real quick last thing with that we should mention with the patch notes is Chrono uh, changing a little bit. Um, it's getting a little bit better at uh, at four, at six theoretically. Um, is this enough to bring back the Chrono builds a little bit? Quick yes or no, Crone? Yes or no? Uh, no. <laughs> Frodan? Yes or no? No. Okay, we'll dive into that more at a later date. Let's move on to <laughs> our main topic of uh, conversation here which is tournament results and formats. So obviously July was a, a really, really big month for uh, tournaments in uh, TFT. We had a lot of qualifiers. We had uh, the TL one. We had the C9 one. We had the uh, the OCE qualifiers, which, you know, there's a lot to talk about there with that. We also had the Giant Slayer EU Cup, which is a team-based thing. We had Mort Dog Top 4 Madness, which is a top four thing. But let's go through this kind of and... Um, 
We'll talk about formats a little bit later, but let's just talk about tournament results uh, right now and kind of like how we think everything sort of shook out. So uh, Team Liquid here and there, like Crowen, obviously, like uh, you have a lot of insight into these from uh, playing in a lot of these uh, these tournaments. Um, so give us first your your broad uh, month in review of, uh, of tournaments, how everything came together, how were they ran, uh, what do you think about results? Give us like the, the broad strokes on the, the month of tournaments that was uh, July. Oh man, that's very very open ended. Um, it is. That's the idea of it. That's. A... <laughs> hmm. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of the tournaments were good. Personally, I I didn't really like um the team liquid qualifiers and how the formats were. Ever since the week where I literally I went top four every single round, but still didn't advance to the next one. I was like, okay, this format's kind of kind of weird for me. I understand like you're trying to um, make it. And more important to place higher in the subsequent rounds after you know first and second etc cetera, etc cetera. but mm. i mean oh well that wasn't really a tournament that favored my play style um and just being consistent but rewarded just like you know going for going for firsts but sure. simple plan and robin songs who qualified both really good players um demonstrated that in that tournament qualified for the uh naoc finals mm. uh what next what next the c9 nebula tournament Right. Mm -hmm. About that. Um, yeah, I think who qualified for that? Sleet and Milk. St. Vicious nearly did. I think like Saint was yeah. playing really, really, really well these past couple of patches. And then uh, actually, so Saint's eighth place and my eighth place during these finals were both trying to play six battle cast. So if Saint probably hadn't tried to play battle cast there and like literally gotten like seventh place or, or sixth in that game, like he would have qualified over sleep probably. Uh, Melk's always been a good player. I'm not surprised he qualified mm. from there. Sleep played really, really well. Um, mm. Yeah, these I actually in I did this so hard this tournament. I'm sorry to I'm sorry to bring this up again. Okay, so honestly, these past couple of patches, ever since I like put a lot of time in focusing on Twitch rivals and like for the league portion of that, like literally I didn't play TFT for that whole week, and uh, I played a lot of league. Um, I knew it was Twitch rivals. <laughs> I knew it was gonna come to that. <laughs> Yeah, who runs that stuff? Yeah, Frodan, uh, how can you let this happen? You can you can blame uh, Frodan completely for this, by the way. It was a great event. Right. It was worth it. You know, I ended up winning that. So super, super worth. Um, but I did feel <laughs> a little bit behind on TFT and uh -huh. I came like come back combined. Like I still qualified for the finals and stuff, like I played well enough to get there, but then playing that week, it just nothing really clicked with me and mm. just didn't play well that day either. So Kind of into Did you, that. Like, I get to the finals, but then, yeah, that one was just doomed. <laughs> so, speaking of another tournament you got to the finals for, uh, did you, did you, what did you think about the, the Mortdog uh, top four madness? Because you mentioned earlier about your, your play style. And, and I feel like this was a tournament that, that really supported your play style. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely did. Uh, it does support my play style. I like this tournament overall. There's only one thing that I didn't like is the fact that it didn't go from, round of 32 to round of 16 and then top eight but it went just from 32 to eight so yeah. it's called you know there's the meme is more dogs top four madness but only top two advanced. Only top three. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's like kind of true i think it yeah you're top fouring but top fouring in the round of 32 wasn't good enough for a lot of people you needed to you know get first place a couple times or top four every <laughs> single game like there was no room for for error there um, oh. but overall i liked it it um, worked well with my playstyle overall. Granted, in the finals, I went to kind of first or eighth style. I played literally six Blade Masters every single game. 
Um, yeah. And, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. So, <laughs> so now, you know, Mort and I was, t- we're talking about this a lot on the stream when we were casting this and Mort, Mort's in chat right now. Uh, hey Mort. Um, but so, so was that just sort of like the game plan going into it that like uh six blade masters was the, what, what was what you were going to do? But I, I feel like I don't see you force comps very often. When I think of your playstyle, I don't think of you a player that likes to force comps constantly. So, so what was the what was the plan there? Yeah, I really don't. But I researched everyone going into that lobby, and mm-hmm. only one player had like one or two games on six PM. So if it's a comp that is not going to be contested by anybody, a comp that I think is good that I like running, and I again uh, from these past couple patches, I wasn't like super super confident in always being able to play. Um, effectively in my usual play style and just being really, really flexible and pivot into top four. So I was like, screw it. I'll just play 6 p.m.s every game. And actually, you know, while the end results ended up me getting fifth, if I had top four in either games two or four, the games where um, I, I got eighth place, um, I was contested one of them. But if I had gotten one more top four, I actually would have won the whole tournament because I ended up winning game five, uh, which got me to 30 points. True. Yeah, because with the, with the format, you need 30 points and then a win. But um, Aegon played really, really well and was able to uh, top four for literally every single game. Um, mm. So he ended up winning that. But yeah, it's just very interesting format there. It's like, damn, if I had just gotten one more top four placement, I would have uh, been able to win. So maybe I shouldn't have forced it every single game. But overall, I'm like not too upset with how I played in the, or this tournament. Like losing to tiebreakers and getting fifth is kind of unfortunate because usually tiebreakers help me out. Uh, but KCI right. and uh, Chewbacca both got two first during the finals and I only had one. So is how it yeah. is. It was really interesting to see that format come together, and, and I think uh, you know, out of the out of the individual tournament formats that we've seen, so kind of throwing out the the team stuff for a moment, talking about you know individual uh, tournaments, it's the format that kind of like uh, grabbed the most attention for me, as in like this could be a tournament that with some modifications could be a really good one going forward because oh, yeah. you know to to a certain extent getting top four is emphasized so much already in the game um, that it does bring the tournament uh, sort of like experience closer to possibly the latter experience. Although there's a big difference, obviously, between zero for fifth and, you know, much better, for lack of a better term, LP lost for fifth and eighth, right? But Frodan, what do you think as far as uh, individual uh, tournament formats go? As far as individual, I don't know how to really describe this. What how do you say this? Where it's like a, a solo player versus a team? I don't know. Solo tournaments? That doesn't seem like the right term either. I don't know. Regular point system we're used to versus top four kind of stuff. What What do you think? Uh, I think this is a really clever uh, tournament format that like really tries to showcase consistency as like your primary skill set because um, you know people who win lobbies a lot of times at the highest level. There's mm-hmm. nothing really that you can do to stop that. Like you can try, but like people who high roll, like part of the reason why challenger players are so good is because they understand how to capitalize when they get lucky. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of times they're going to be able to convert that to a first and second every single time. And so usually number one, number two, you're never beating them. But number three and four is usually really up for grabs a lot of the time. Um, and it's oftentimes about like minimizing your losses, all ending a lot on an off cadence, uh, you know, slamming items like, or just trying to take a risk and being rewarded for that risk. Um, and I think that that's, that's not really emphasized too much in tournaments. We try to do that by saying there's a break point between third and fourth, but it's, or sorry, fourth and fifth, but it's a little right. bit arbitrary, right, in terms of, like, what's the break point. Sometimes fifth place is, like, a really skill-intensive thing to get when you're, like, normally doomed for, like, a seventh or an eighth. 
Yeah. And so what this uh, format tries to really emphasize is like one of the more important skill sets, which is converting and maximizing the range of possibilities that your composition is supposed to finish. Um, and I do like the, I do, the more I watch this tournament, I did get to watch it last couple of games. The more I watch like win and you win the tournament is uh, pretty exciting because then it kind of sets up a, a natural narrative that everyone can latch onto. That's very definitive. You know, the part of the problem with like some TFT tournaments in the past is, you know, we, we had the game closed and we're like, we're not sure what's going to happen, but I'm pretty sure this, this entire tournament yeah. was determined 15 minutes ago. Or it's like, <laughs> and we'll just have to find out. Game, but this guy wins the tournament. That's that's the thing that that I haven't enjoyed with casting TFT is like that last game when you do know what's happening, you're like, oh, this guy won the game. Wow. Oh, but this guy won the tournament. So you kind of like downplay one player's success and elevate another player that isn't having that that high moment. It's it is a bit odd. So do you feel like there's some sort of uh, middle ground as far as points breakdown, where maybe we don't have a drop to zero? after a fourth place, right. but we have something where there's there's points, but it's a greater degree of drop-off than what we currently see. I like that there's a difference between fourth and fifth, and maybe that needs to be greater, but just not 10 to zero, you know? Yeah, um, interesting. I actually, yeah, another thing to bring up, I actually completely agree with um, both of your points there about how it's not really, it doesn't follow the narrative uh, well, like a person winning the game, but not winning the whole tournament. Like yeah. from a from a spectator and a caster standpoint, it would be better for the person that wins, you know, the last game to win the whole thing. But I think mm -hmm. still from a competitor point of view, I would like to, you know, have my consistency over the whole however many games it was to be what's determining if I win or or lose. But yeah, yeah there is some sort of balance in the middle ground there. But um, well, what, what I really liked about the finals for the more dog top four madness was that there was that, you know, get 30 points and then your next first yeah. will win you the game. But I mm -hmm. like that there was also a uh element of well if you get 50 points overall that shows like such a string of consistency that that also gets you the tournament win i like that th there were those two different factors and so this you know i i uh and, and and i think that's really important that when we have these tournaments maybe you don't only have the one criteria to win it you know mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do like the fact that there was uh, mul or there were multiple criteria to win, and that one had precedence that if you had thirty and one, that right. you would have the win priority over someone who um, just had um, five top fours. Mm -hmm. I, I do think there is room to at least for the earlier rounds of the tournament to make specific placements matter i was kind of theory crafting something with a couple other friends maybe not just like a 11 points for first but say like a 14 for first and then like uh, say 12 for for second and like 11 and 10 and then eighth place getting negative one but then seventh getting zero and, and sixth getting uh like one or just something like that to differentiate um maybe it's like too small of a gap but to differentiate those placements a little bit so that sure, if you, yeah. you know have a, a couple of firsts but then say like get um i don't know like a fifth or something that you you can still show that um th those placements and playing you know to get the fifth over getting the seventh or something you can show that in, in the points over mm -hmm. just um i don't know getting five or like four fourths and then like going through or something like that so this kind of brings us to to our next topic, because uh, we can chat about something where the information was just released uh, to us today, which is the uh, the topic of the Galaxies Championship. And that format does not include any of those things we were just talking about. Uh, the, the point values for day one, well, first of all, the point values change between day one and day two, day two which is interesting. 
And uh, the second part of it is that it doesn't have any sort of differentiation between fourth and below fourth. Um, and as far as winning the tournament goes, you uh, must get a first to win the tournament. So theoretically, with the way the points breakdown is for the final days, that could be a lot of games. And while I love watching TFT, from a broadcasting standpoint, having no definitive ending or like estimation of how long a broadcast is going to take uh, is a problem, especially if you want to take this a step further and think about what TFT events in the future are going to look like. They're going to need to be timeframes that things fit in. And so this kind of format, I feel like, uh, isn't something you'd want to use down the line when you have to kind of fit those broadcast windows. Uh, what do you think, Frodan? You you obviously are involved in tons of esports broadcasts every week. What do, what do you think about this? Uh, so I, I I did this event format for the Galaxy Showcase. Um, and right. it ended up being, you know, kind of like lopsided. There were clearly some players that were a tier and a half above some of the other players. And that's not disrespect to any of the streamers that showed up. It's just like sure. some players were like dedicated sweats and some were just more, you know, meme streamers from their region. Um, and in the end, we actually finished it, I think, in four games, which was like a totally fine number. Uh, but you're right in the sense that it could have gone to eight or nine lobbies. I think that was like the maximum number it could have gone to before, mm -hmm. like, mathematically someone had to win. Uh, and I think that was because they had a higher number requirement for points. So by lowering it, I think the range is like as early as three, obviously. But um, right. uh, I think the maximum is like six. So it's it's okay. I think it's reasonable. Like, it's not... It's, it's definitely like they're trying to keep it a very simple format. And I think it's like a really important thing because if there's anything that we've kind of learned is that um, in the past, Riot's been trying really complicated formats. If you remember the showcase for Rise of the Elements, it was like so elaborate and convoluted with like all these different kind of wind conditions right. um, that, you know, they really tried to make it more like fun and personality driven for competition and not being very successful. So, you know, I think this is fine to go off of. It's definitely not the best competitive system that we've developed. Uh, but I think it, it's okay as like the first time. And I think part of the reason why they're going for it is because they did it before. So, you know, sure. it's, they want to go with the tried and true formula. I think uh, it's, it's interesting that they, that they wouldn't use something that was a little bit more, more tried and true, even in that uh, there's been a lot of tournaments throughout the course of the year that have used formats very different from this that have been proven to work well. And then there's just some kind of oddities. Like why in the day two structure, is there a drop between, First and second, that's pretty normal. But why is there a drop between second and third? But then not a drop between fourth and fifth, which is a much more you know logical points place to drop it down. That's the kind of stuff that confuses me um, because it's it's not really, and I'm not saying this is wrong. Like it could be a perfectly fine tournament format. And again, I've said many, many times over the course of the year that TFT is an esport that's still very much in its infancy and we need to experiment a lot with this. But for something like the championships of the whole year, to create sort of this, you know, format that isn't quite in line with a lot of the tournaments, especially a lot of the qualifying tournaments to this finals. Um, and then also have just arbitrary, strange things like a drop in points from second to third. It, it does, does it seem like this format is like a little bit out of touch with, you know, what the community has kind of been developing for this game? I feel like it is a little bit. I, I think it's okay. Like I said, I, I don't feel like there's too much, like, like, I guess to answer your point directly, I don't think it's out of touch. I think it's out of touch if they just ran a simple point system and they just did exactly what, like, Fight Night would be like. Because I think that would be anti-hype, and I don't think that would sell TFT in a, in a good light. 
Um, and if I, and I, and I can go off of the, the previous time we've had an event like that. The only other big land in the West that for TFT has been TwitchCon. And um, I helped run that event. And I have a lot of regrets the way that finals went down because I feel like it painted TFT in a negative light because mm -hmm. it was just, there's a lot of opportunities for hype moments and it just wasn't there. Um, and, and there's a lot of reasons I could break down into it. But the summary of it was that we didn't have like a big finale and conclusion to it. Right. The points break down from first to second, from second to third. That Those things are like, you know, and like in my opinion, it's, nitpicking, which is like what's really skillful in the game, and we can argue sure. about that for like hours and hours. But in the end, I think like the fundamental thing, which is like the, the day one point structure that's season to day two, and then you have like the win and in, and now all of a sudden you're the champion. I think is a solid concept. Mm -hmm. I think that you know having alternative win conditions is also interesting. But what you don't want is like someone to get fifth place. And yet they win because that's just that just isn't really the spirit of the competition because I don't I don't think that's going to be like a really good spectating experience, and because it's their first Galaxy Championship, keeping it really simple is important because they can develop it more as time goes on. Um, as yeah. the you know the player base and the viewer base matures in terms like and understands how competition goes, you can start to introduce a lot more elaborate formats. But you know, time and time again, I think there's a lot of like esports scenes that like when they first start off, they do so complicated rule sets and formats and they kind of lose a lot of the people that are trying to get into the game and mm. quite frankly too tft is already hard enough of a genre and game to get into if you don't play it so i think like sure. having something really bare bones is kind of important just from like a, a bird's eye view sure i agree and i i do want to stress too that uh, i'm not trying to be alarmist with this obviously you know again like I don't think anyone more than me has said, like, we shouldn't get too excited about anything that really goes on, like excited in a negative way with anything that goes on in TFT this year, because it's all experimentation right now. It's such a new esport that we can't afford to get like bent out of shape about stuff too much. But I just found it a little bit surprising. Uh, Crowen, what are what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm actually a pretty firm believer that in no world in TFT competitions, there shouldn't be a larger gap between um, first and second and fourth and fifth. Like if that gap is the same as all the other placements, like I don't think that works at all. I think there needs to be a gap or a larger gap between first and second and fourth to fifth. Um, my personal opinion, I just think that it downplays very heavily the impact and implication that getting a top four has in the game with mm -hmm. just the the way that top four means like you're gaining LP, you're winning. That is a success. If you bottom four, that is significantly worse, even between the fourth and the fifth. If you win right. a lobby, that impact and implication should be better than getting um getting a second by more than the, like a one point gap. Um yeah, I think those are my that's my thoughts for that. I also think that Mortog was onto something with the uh, win multiple win conditions of the uh, top four madness tournament. Oh, I think totally, only, yeah. Yeah, I think that only having um one win condition for this world of you need to accumulate 18 points and then win is, uh, I don't know if I want to say is unfair, but may potentially punish players who bo who all get to that same win condition. Even like Fred I was talking about earlier, your pl good players are going to be able to recognize when they are high rolling and translate that into a first place. So if you go into the game, have a really good start and are able to translate into a first when multiple people are on that win condition versus somebody else who has been very consistent, but there's no other win condition for being consistency, that's very punishing in my opinion. Yeah, that, and that's what surprised me, I think, the most when I looked at that, is that there was no alternate win condition right after your lead designer for the game like had a tournament where he thought up the format and had that, which I think a lot of people liked. And I, I agree where when it comes down to a lot of people being in that situation, 
then, you know, are you kind of winging it on a high roll? Which, although I also yeah. agree with Frodan, where you need those hype moments, at the end of the day, it's on the the talent. It's on the, the uh, I hate that word talent, by the way, but it's on the casters, I should say, and said to, um, you know, I, I, I see I've been around the industry too long. So on the commentator. I hate that, the commentator. It's on the commentator. It's on the caster to make sure that the fans understand those hype moments. And even if somebody isn't winning with a first place in a lobby, the fan should understand that it's still very exciting uh, because they're winning from really great play. And so not having that consistency win in the uh, in the format is, I think, kind of a disservice to the spirit of TFT. And it's just a, a little bit surprising, too, again, after the tournament that we just closed out last week. I'd like, there's a format that I want to try out. It's pretty similar in terms of, like, the core essence of what uh, most point structures are. But I would mm. like all players to start with 100 points. And top mm. four gives you okay. positive points. And bottom four minuses points. Interesting. And it's basically yeah. just like a ladder experience, right? Like if you're bottom four, you lose points. Like it's minus one for fifth and minus yeah. five for eighth and then plus five for first and plus one. For, and it's like a pretty big difference, right? And the idea is like you kind of see people vying for that. And I think it's, it's like naturally telling a better story as right. opposed to because at the end, if someone ends at 100, that means they kind of like played exactly in the middle and average. But if someone's like 120, you kind of get like a big, you get like a standard deviation difference between the players and everyone else, um, as opposed to like, because it's just really hard to tell, right? Like when you see Crowen do well in, in like a Cloud9 Nebula, Nebula qualifier and he gets like 30 points, that's really impressive. But then like, how do you tell the difference between Mill qualifying with 22 points? There's really no differentiation in that. Yeah, um, that's, that's really interesting. Oh, sorry. so I, I yeah, so I'm I'm just like curious about like how we can really continue to play with formats. Like it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like it's not really solved. We're still figuring it out. And again, yeah. these are these are like ideas that like I thought about and I wrote it down on a notepad and I like closed it and I never opened it since <laughs> then. But um, I, you know, part of what that's what part part of it makes it interesting. And this also just like you know take a step back applies to like almost the entire industry. Like Fortnite, Apex Legends, PUBG, like all these other games that are free for all based. No one knows how to like broadcast it, present it, format it correctly and compelling. So we're right. all kind of like learning at the same time. Right. Which, which is part of the fun, honestly. And, and, you know, it's again, why, like, despite what things end up looking like, it's not reason to, you're all right. Let me just put that there. No matter what the tournament format is, your game isn't dying. The game is not dying. It's not going anywhere. In fact, it's, it's growing. We've seen our community grow throughout the year. Experimentation needs to be done. It will continue to get bigger. Uh, it's good to have spirited debates about things and discussions like we are having right now, but it's important to separate that stuff from doom and gloom, right? Leave that stuff out of it because, you know, we are the PR for our own game to a certain extent. And if we're talking about how our game is dead, then nobody else is going to want to play it who's maybe thinking about it. So, you know, be constructive with criticism, have discussions. And I think what we just talked about was a great example of that. And, uh, you know, be happy that TFT is having a championship yeah. at all. It's great. So... That's, uh, I think, maybe a good place to uh, to leave. Uh, yeah. I want to say one thing. Yeah. Go ahead. I yeah. want to say one final thing is that sure. casting the Nebula qualifiers with spots and worlds on the line was actually really fun. Like when oh, there's yeah. stakes in the line and like you're watching the the impact of like a missed Zephyr or like a mess up on uh, like, you know, accidentally uh, selling or like buying the wrong thing or like missing stuff on the roll down. Like, that adds a lot of gravity situation. The mm. the championships is going to be really exciting. Um, and I, I'm really looking forward to it. And so as much as we can like argue about formats or qualification, there's a lot of like, we didn't even talk about the Oceana qualifiers, which is like 
just a yeah, we should, in itself. We should, <laughs> should we should we chat about that for a few minutes we we probably got a little bit of time should we should we, should sure, we touch sure. on that if, if you want uh, to very briefly mention it well um, uh you know speaking of <laughs> speaking of not being negative about things sometimes you do kind of have to be negative about things and uh delicious milk raises a good point that in no world should there be a tournament, let alone a qualifiers for a, a championships where there are randos in your lobbies that, uh, that should not happen. Uh, yeah. Thoughts, Crowen. <laughs> I'm shaking my head. Those are my thoughts. Like uh, exactly what you said. There's no world where this should happen. It should be run way better. There should be people on a wait list. Um, if people don't show up, they can get in. People, I mean, first of all, people should be taking it seriously and showing up if there's a world's qualification spot. Uh, I think that, I don't know, speaks a lot to people's mindset in that regard. I don't know why people didn't show up, but admins saying, no, we can't postpone this. No, we're not going to ask anybody if we can postpone this. We're just going to go. You have to go. And some people have five, some people have eight, some people have seven in your lobby. It's mm. just, it, that's that's wild. The the year in 2025, we're going to be looking back at this moment and laughing yes. about how this actually has happened. And like, and like no, it, 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 it wasn't even discussed about, right? Like no one's really, I wasn't even aware of this until Esha and Milk brought it up on social media. Because it was like so low profile about that. And like as much like so here's like a, an example, by the way. Like people like talk about milk and how he's like pretty toxic. And I and I understand that there's times where milk has, you know, earned that reputation rightfully. But like this also shows how much he really cares about yeah, the scene cool. because he's trying to raise awareness and I wasn't even aware of it. Um and the players really do care. Like a lot of the players that like meme about TFT and uh, some of these things that are embarrassing, which quite frankly this is. Uh, they really want TFT to succeed, and we all do. And we can't be having this where three random players are queuing up that can completely mess over competitive integrity. That doesn't even make sense. You know, if we had StarCraft tournaments or League of Legends tournaments where you're queuing with randoms, like, what? How does that even work? Yeah, <laughs> I, it's just it's just one of it's It's like you said, Frodan. Like, you and I, you know, and, and Crowen too, like we've all been around esports for a long time. And like, I'm sure Crowen can talk about like ludicrous things happening at the beginning of like Heroes of the Storm esports and all that kind of stuff too, with like ridiculous tournament formats or, you know, ridiculous invites and all that. And we're just in that time period right now for TFT where it's important to call this stuff out. But at the same time, like it's important to recognize that, yeah, it's dumb now and it sucks for certain people, but it's going to be something that will just be like, a small laughable footnote in like the history of this game as an esport. So something to keep in mind with that. Yeah. For sure. And also uh having organized like global tournaments myself, it's really hard to do it when you have almost no staff. And as far as I know, the Riot esports team in general is like mega understaffed relative to how much they really need to do because uh they decided all of a sudden for their 10 year anniversary to release like six games and like two of them almost immediately. And then, like, because their community is so massive globally, they always demand c competitive. And it's like they can't scale because all of their resources were in, like, League of Legends. And now you're, at, you're like, asking them to do Valorant and uh, TFT and Legends of Ruterra. And then, you know, what happens when other things like Wild Rift comes out? And, like, what about their, like, unannounced fighting game? And, <laughs> like, all these different things. So... There's a lot, and from what I've gathered, they're heavily like understaffed, and so it's really ambitious to try to do such a global competition, but at the same time, you can't let stuff like this happen. So I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. If this happens again, like the next championship, 
and it's like, come on, right? Like, yeah. you, you, everyone gets like one, but from this point on, it's like, come on, let, let's pick the ball up and keep it rolling. I agree. Speaking of, speaking of keeping it rolling, it's time to move on to our next uh, section of the show, which is uh, tier lists and mailbag. So uh, we're normally, you know, we have the player uh, that's on the show give us a top ten players in NA list if they're from NA generally. But I, I would actually kind of like to change it up a little bit. If you're okay with this, Crone, I would like you to give me a TFT tournament players tier list. So. Don't uh, so rather than think about ladder performance, let's think about tournament performance. Who are your top 10 tournament players in NA? Sorry to our production for making them change the graphic on the block. Tournament play. Very well. Yeah. Top 10 tournament players in NA overall. Ooh, that's spicy. So, yeah. With number one, I don't know. Maybe it's like. Maybe it's ego. I don't know. I just feel like I've honestly been like the most consistent. You can put uh, yourself like, in number one. That's to, totally yeah, fine. When it comes to any tournaments, like <laughs> I've only I've only won one <laughs> tournament, but consistently getting to the finals lobby over a lot of like other players. Um, I don't know. Wow. The ego grows with the afro. Yeah, the ego grows with the afro. I did say that. <laughs> I it's, it's already been typed in. It's oh, official wow. now. Crowin, oh, best tournament player in NA. You know, you have had, you know, we talk about consistency. You've been in, like, basically every finals lobby there is to be in. So it's hard to, yeah. it's hard if, to argue with that. If that wasn't the case, I'd definitely be like, no, I don't deserve to be there. But, like, sure. I've been to pretty much, like, every single finals tournament, uh, finals of tournament, like, uh, I've played in. Um, oh, oh and more talk bringing up your forcing Blade Master. Come on, that was one finals. That's unfair. Uh, that was two finals. You did it last set, too. When oh, the okay. Wow. Yeah. Was the thing. That's <laughs> I have your back, but that's going too far back. Forcing a strat is actually good. Remember the mech meta where there's players just forcing mech all the time? I, I have no I, idea what you're I talking about. He won that tournament or he forced mech, okay? It's a viable strat. That, they may have happened. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right. right who's, so who's number two? two? Yeah. All right. Or you can or you can pick someone and put them in other spots on the list. You don't need to go one, two, three, four. You can just pick someone and put right. them elsewhere. Yeah. So I actually yeah. was, I was theorycrafting a list beforehand of uh, just top 10 in general players, but I think some of these players, it will translate. I'm going to, for now, put uh, Aegon at number two. I think Aegon has always been a good player and has usually translated um, that into some decent tournament success, you know, just I would agree. Uh, you know, winning the uh, the the Mort Dong top four tournament. I think mm. very very good. Um, I think for now, at like number five and six respectively, uh, Robin songs and um, Marcus, or his name is M three five S. Yeah, yeah. Marcus, yeah. Marcus thirty five. Sometimes it's yeah. Where would you put him on the list? Uh, yeah, at number six, and Robin oh, okay. at, at yeah. five. Nice. All right. They've proven it. The past month, these yeah. two players have been phenomenal in tournaments. It's actually Marcus kind of especially. Yeah. 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 Mar Marcus especially. Uh, but, you know, Robin's also killing it too. Yeah. They've been super, super consistent. Um, I think GV8, probably at number three. I think GV8 has always had um some pretty good tournament runs a uh, very good player even remembering like um it was like way way back like the fandom legends tournaments um mm -hmm. yeah like every week against gva uh and those pretty playing good. a lot of blender 
That was yeah. the first uh, event Frodo and I casted together, actually. It was. Yeah. That was actually the first time I casted TFT. <laughs> me, me too. What a coincidence. Yeah. It was like nine months ago. It's quite the job. Yeah. Hard to believe, man. But yeah, that was back in so much better <laughs> since then. A little bit. I, I think, I'd like to think we've improved since then. Yeah. It's, it's hard, man. It's hard game to cast. Yeah. Hmm. Let's, Let's go. go. At least, at least recently for his performance, I think he's translated his uh, solo queue ladder success in tournament success, or doing pretty well as Saint Vicious um, at number seven, I guess. I'll, I'll leave the fourth slot open for now. I'm not sure who I'm going to put there, but right. I think he, he, he doesn't know four and five anyway. That's a, a true tournament player, he's gapping four and five right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There needs to be a gap between uh, four and five. <laughs> oh man, yeah. who? Am I missing here? There's uh, milk has won a lot of TFT. Delicious milk. Yeah. Milk, milk, milk has done. I, okay, we'll put milk at the at the number four slot. Um, I think delicious milk obviously is is considered widely to be one of the best TFT, if not one of like if not the best uh, TFT player in North America, based off his performance through all um, all the sets and does do well in tournaments. I, I think tournaments for milk, if I remember correctly, sometimes are kind of like hit or miss. Um, but yeah, generally, yeah, he's a first or eighth gamer. He's a first or eighth gamer. I definitely like. I actually, because I obviously Soju is a really good player, but I don't think I can put Soju on a top ten tournament player tier list. (laughs) I just just can't do it. Right, that's understandable. Yeah, I don't think I don't think anyone can argue with that. Yeah, I don't know. Something about it is that either Soju gets really unlucky, or it seems like he kind of. His, his brain like shuts down and he's just like autopiloting or he chokes. I don't know. Yeah, but... I don't know. I what about... think... Okay, a, a really interesting He's so good on ladder and yeah. like I don't know why he can't do it in tournament. It's pretty interesting. What about Kyun? Kyun, yeah, Kyun definitely deserves to be on this list. He actually might deserve to be a little bit higher than Robin Songs or Marcus. We'll just put mm-hmm. him at number eight for now, but I might switch that around. Okay. But, um, talking about that Soju thing, a point that I did really, really quickly want to bring up is that people, um, people approach tournaments in TFT a lot. Um, the same way that they do ladder or solo queue, which I think personally is not the way to look at it at all. And I think mm. a lot of lack of competitive experience for a lot of these players really shows when they do approach ladder the same way as tournaments. So a lot of players like, um, well, not a lot, but some players like Soju, um, who do perform very, very well consistently on ladder, gets tournaments, and it's just like an eighth, eighth, eighth every time. And maybe it's a little bit of coincidence, but I think the mentality that that Soju has, I might be wrong about this, but I'm talking about the guys playing tournaments, maybe isn't really the one that is conducive to success there. Um, I haven't overly analyzed Soju's tournament games um, to that extent, but I do right. think there is a significant mentality shift yes. that a lot of players should have that don't. Um, I will say that I, I started paying a lot more attention to Soju's tournament results when I noticed that he just didn't really perform in a lot of them. And it does seem like, you know, outside of the times where he does get eighth, uh, because, you know, maybe he wasn't playing well or he's like forfeits, but he also seems to experience some really omega low rolls that I have like not really seen, right? Like that Shaco one, uh, sure. like last week <laughs> was one of them. But like there's another time yeah. where like I think he like, had one KO and it was completely uncontested. He rolled like 60 gold and couldn't find another KO for the rest of the game. That kind of stuff. And it feels like that happens to him very often. Of course, it's just, I think it's just confirmation bias, but it's just one of those things where it feels like it, when I when I do see it happen to Soju, it's like, what? oh, of course it happens to this guy. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, somebody somebody has to be the uh, the well. We had like the the king of silver in StarCraft Two, right? Where it's right. like they they would make it pretty far, but they would always just always something would happen to hold them from like the top tiers of success. But we we've got two more spots. We'll we'll see if we okay. can think. What about some what about some newer yeah. players that are coming up? Because it doesn't need to be like all time. It can no, be. Like, what about Cottontail, who's I've had some? Yeah, literally just Cottontail play. and Simple Player yeah. players that I was just thinking of. And yeah. I think that uh, Cottontail definitely does deserve to be. Uh, on this list at some point. I, I think actually I do want to move Kiyun to okay. number five and just move everyone else down one. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I think overall Kiyun's current performance uh, has been very good in these newer players, like, um, well, newer to, I guess, being have success in tournament scene, Robin Songs and Marcus are good, but sure. I do think Kiyun deserves a spot above those. But yeah, then at number 10. Or sorry, number nine, number ten, maybe Cottontail and Simple Plan. Cottontail higher than Simple Plan. Yeah, I that makes think sense. So I think so. It's probably it's definitely a debatable, but I'm gonna I want to say that. No, I it's I think that's interesting. Uh, some of yeah. the omissions from the list, right? Like Sox's name never came up once, and I consider Sox to be like one of the best players, like in the I game. I do too. If yeah, if there's a top so overall list, Sox is definitely yeah. on there. At yeah, Kerem's not on here um, either, and Kerem's like also a ladder consistency, like a ladder god, but like a lot you know, of his tournament results has also kind of been all over the place. Like sometimes he dominates, and sometimes he also uh, bombs yeah. out. So that's interesting. I think. Yeah. That's maybe. Do you think that's maybe the category that Sox falls into as well? Um, I, I know actually Sox can't compete. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think he like can't compete in some of the tournaments because he like works a, a, a job. Um, but I, I do think so. Um, or he works another job. I typed it there too. I was a little distracted. But um, yeah. <laughs> asking us, uh, asking us about spelling and stuff like that, which is totally understandable. Yeah, right. but, uh, okay, yeah, but going back to Sox, I, I think he, I actually don't even remember many of his tournament results. Like he, um, I know obviously he's a good player, but I might have to fact, fact check myself on that one. And maybe he would deserve a spot on right. this list. But I don't know. Sure. I would say that Sox is kind of like a master GM, like tier player in the tournament scene, uh, because he, if he had more time, he would do much better. But like at a certain point, you have to just get more volume of games. I think Sox has only played in a few tournaments. Mm. Not to be confused with Master GM's skill. He's like obviously like one of the best, of course, in the game. I'm just saying more like he, he doesn't have the opportunities really. And you gotta like put in the volume because you're going to eventually bomb out some of these tournaments mm. and you need to have more chances. So uh, I like sure. to see Sox compete more, but he's already talked about it extensively on his own stream and uh on forums that he's just too busy with his job and you know he wants to keep TFT like a part-time thing. And he also wants to prove that he you can be like one of the best of the game without actually being full-time playing it and streaming it all the time, which I think is also okay. admirable on its own right. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Sox is a super smart player and applies a lot of knowledge to being good at the game and just is a good gamer in general. I would be very curious to see, you know, Sox, like, you know, full-time TFT, all that he did, because I think he'd, you know, Absolutely. if that was the if that was the case, be, you know, known as uh, one of the best, if not the best, uh, any TFT players amongst, like, Melk and people like that. But, yeah. I think uh, I think we have to give uh, Solus an honorable mention as well uh, for a lot of good performance. Like every year that they ever do. Like, uh, yeah, we'll, <laughs> I don't know. Sorry, it's just, uh, you know, early on, great. Like recent, you know, I know Solus is in chat too. It's, I love watching you play, man. 
Sorry. Can I have like two or three slots? Is that a thing that I can have? <laughs> I think we have to we have to move on anyway. But okay. I just want to sneak that in there because we have to keep the tradition going, you know. But <laughs> so we, I think we do have one uh, one or two questions for uh, for Crone for the mailbag. We're a little bit past an hour today, which is fine. Um, hey, Crone, what do you think separates your from the pack when it comes to attorneys? <laughs> Is it something about your play style, tournament meta, rule set, mindset, etc.? Thanks from Asian Head. P.S. Any chance you could help out your teammate Soju for these NA qualifiers? It seems like you might need it. Oh, wow. oh boy. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, tackle that one however you want. Uh, yeah. So I think what separates me from the pack of comes tournaments is my mindset and approach towards it. I think that a lot of players will not do things like look at all the players and research the games they've had previously that are going into your lobby, um, kind of have a top four rather than a first or eighth play style. I recognize when I do need to play first or eighth, but generally, if it is safe, I will just try to play top four, which I think is one of the reasons that gets me to the finals of a lot of tournaments. Um, there's even, I think, the Giant Slayer Series Season 2 finals. I was like a couple of points behind Gunmei going to the final game. I had played just consistent top four every single time. I was like, all right, this is the game where I need to go first or eighth. Um, so I need to play super, super risky, change my play style up, um, and ended up not working. I ended up actually going eighth that game. But that's just um, to, to say that like, you need to recognize the scenarios where you do have to go for things like that. I ended up losing, but still getting second place because I'd played, you know, super well for um, the previous, you know, three or four games. Um, Gunmei obviously played better, and I think Gunmei... Uh, if I could put Gunmei in a tournament tier list, man, Gunmei would be up there, but he's a U, so that's okay. But you know, He's in um, chat right now. He wants to be NA so bad. Like, I understand yeah. that. We're happy to have you on the server, but, you know, we got to talk about all of that other tournament quiet residency, all that stuff. You know what I mean. Gunmei decides to not retire from TFT. He can come on the That's show. That's right. Decides career. to move to North America. Oh, man. Wear, wear your mask. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I just real quick. I love the the Gunmei arc from him wanting to improve and actually doing so and just being a tournament beast and like everything after that. I, I wish Gunmei would just stick with competing for as long as he you know wants to, but. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, true. He, yeah. And the thing is, esports retirement doesn't mean anything, as we know from like years and years right. of esports. Esports retirement is just—it's just a tweet, man. It's meaningless. It really you can come is. back whenever you want. We've seen players unretire millions of times. I'm just putting that out there, Gunmate, for you. Don't worry about it. If you want to unretire, it's common in esports. Anytime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got another question. As someone who is a part of the early sports community for Heart of the Swarm and now TFT, do you notice Heart of the Swarm? Heart of the Swarm. <laughs> see, <laughs> you see how oh, it's a three-way knows why this happens because he also casted StarCraft II, and they use the same acronym for their StarCraft II expansion as they did for a different game entirely. Uh, so, which was based on the SC2 engine initially, but anyway, that's besides the point. Um, it happens. Heroes yeah. of the Storm. You've seen the two games come up. Yeah. Any similarities, differences? Uh, what would you say is better slash worse about TFT? Besides, obviously, the benefit of TFT having a scene. Oh, sorry. Yeah, honestly. Okay, so honestly, one of the biggest differences is literally Mort Dog. It is a Mort Dog diff. And I think Mort Dog is so, so, so good for the TFT community being as involved as and as engaged uh, as he is. And that really, really helps out um, TFT and makes me very, very hopeful uh, for the future, even though like I'm not sure exactly how 
uh, much say Mortdog has in terms of like the esports side of things, but even just in terms of knowing that the game's going to go in a good direction, it's actually just a, a Mortdog diff there. Um, I would be, I would like to see, um, I don't know, concerning concerning esports and stuff. For me, it's felt a bit slow in terms of the startup of a lot of TFT esports, and really without Giant Slayer. It would be extremely uh, lackluster um, for TFT. I am very glad that Riot is starting to step into the direction of starting up these things, and there is a, a world's championship. But I think that for the next year um, and next set for TFT, that there there should be kind of like uh, tournaments throughout the year, like regional tournaments, like Hots had in the early days. Um, every few months, we knew like, oh, we qualify for a tournament. We go to a LAN, and you know that would be something to look forward to. But for right. TFT, it really feels as though it's just like not to the point where I'd like it to be right now. And I know that you know with COVID and everything, it's probably slowed a lot of stuff down. Um, but yeah, I'm just after Hots. Uh, after Hots got axed by Blizzard, I'm just like, man, I really want to compete in something again. I really want to compete. You know, I'm just I'm a competitor at heart, and I just I just want more opportunities for that. My you know. I do well at tournaments. That's just that's a pro gamer mentality, Crowen. That is that is what gets you to where you are at right now. That's a pro gamer mentality. That's right. Yeah. And love it. Great news. I've heard that Mortdog has a lot of free time, and uh, he'll be able to take on all of the esports responsibilities as well. Announcement right here, guys. He's oh, he's right, got free time, and uh, I would oh, I don't know if that that chat that his message right now in chat. Don't worry about that. That was just, <laughs> he's speechless because he's so happy. I understand everything. Yeah. Don't worry. It's true. Trust if me. There's one thing that uh, Mort <laughs> doesn't have. He's got a lot of things. <laughs> or yeah. maybe he does, because apparently he applies to every doofus on the internet about <laughs> and defends the position. I don't know why he does it. I mean, I do know why, because he's so passionate about the game. He, is he, a, he has a lot too much free time, if you ask me. He is a precious diamond of uh, the video game community, and and we, you know, he needs to be as strong as one to handle all the trolls, and, and he's doing good so far. Props, props to Mort, but, but uh, yeah, okay. So I think that's uh, that should pretty much do it as far as uh, questions and things like that go. As far as our topics for today, we went a little bit over time, but that's okay because it was a great conversation. Uh, any any parting thoughts before we uh, end the show here, Frodan? I'll have you talk, then I'll have uh, Crowen talk. What do you got to say? Uh, yeah, I think Chrome summarized really well. Like, it does a lot to hit the follow, follow button on this channel if you haven't already, or at least like share the link. Um, growing TFT starts uh, like at every single avenue, helping mm -hmm. the streamers, helping the organizers, helping you know raise awareness on social media and all that stuff. So if you see like this channel and you haven't followed it, make sure you do so. You know, if you aren't following Crowen on Twitter or like you know at least a stream, just getting those numbers up across the board helps the game a lot. And you might feel like it's you're only one person, but that's if everyone contributes in that way, the scene will continue to flourish. So, you know, get out there and talk and, and engage. And I think it'll be like a really awesome time. And the TFT community is really awesome. So you should stick around. Totally agree. All right, Crowen, parting thoughts. And uh, also, where, where can people find you right now if they don't know already? Uh, yeah, sure. Parting thoughts. Uh, first and foremost, thank you all for having me. I had a wonderful time here. I enjoy getting to talk about... Uh, talk about the game, talk about tournament, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, make sure to follow me on Twitch and Twitter at Crowen, K-H-R-O-E-N. I do stream TFT pretty frequently. Um, you can also find me tweeting about some D&D &D nonsense maybe sometimes on Twitter. 
yada yada. Nice. But uh, yeah, also you know, make sure to check out uh, Doe and Froden on their socials as well. You know, oh, you guys have been doing a lot for TFT and the scene and, and the game, and um, you know, pretty instrumental uh, part of the process here in terms of getting this into something long lasting. And um, that I'm you know happy to be a part of. I just want to, I just want to compete. I just want to. Oh man, I just want TFT to be like so big and to make a lasting impact in it. That's that's my goal. I want to be someone that makes an impact. One step at a time. Awesome. One step at a time for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you. And uh, thanks to everybody out there uh, watching this. Like uh, Frodan said uh, and Cohen said, uh, any way you can share it, get more people watching, get more people playing is is uh, great, right? Because we know the game is good. We know there's like endless amounts of things to talk about and debate in it. It's so much fun. So uh, you got to you gotta spread that, right? You got to spread the, the TFT love out there. And uh, major props to uh, Giant Slayer as well for, you know, I, I think really, and, and I feel like I can say this realistically, like putting the TFT scene on its back and carrying it through most of 2020 with the amount of uh, tournaments and, and support and shows for, uh, for the scene, it really has been something else. I know I'm saying this being on a Giant Slayer show, but <laughs> objectively, I, I think we can all see this as well. But uh, yeah, that'll be about it. Well, thanks for uh, watching, guys. Um, definitely tune in a couple weeks from now for uh, more Team Fight Talk Show. Thanks to my epic co-host, Frodan, and our epic guest, Crowen, uh, as well, for uh, being on the show. Uh, team, well, Fight Night uh, tomorrow, Thursday night, on a Giant Slayer yeah. as well. So definitely I'll check out social media stuff. Yeah, that's right. Crowen Castle. Yeah. 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 And, you're, and you're a great caster, too, on top of all this stuff. Thank a man you. of many talents. If there was an esports EGOT, you'd be going for it. You know? <laughs> well, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for watching, guys. This has been Team Fight Talk Show. We'll see you next time.